Hello there. Have you had thoughts and questions about how product management is practiced in Nigeria, Africa, and the world at large? Or if other product managers are going through the same challenges and how to resolve it? If any of these strikes occurred, welcome to Product Center. Listen to product leaders share their thoughts and experiences on practical topics such as design thinking, user research, product development, team management, etc. So irrespective of your level, either you're aspiring, practicing, or senior product manager, there's something to learn to give your career a boost. You should follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter and LinkedIn, Art Product Centered, and subscribe to our newsletter. We share lots of product management resources, and of course, notifications when episodes are released. Hosting today's podcast is Chekemi Oyeni, and I'll be speaking with Isaac Unkocha, who will be discussing his product management experience at Facebook and Microsoft. So let's get to meet Isaac. Isaac Nunkocha is a student product manager. He currently works for Microsoft, building search and assistant products for millions of customers across Cortana, Outlook, and other AI-related domains. He has over 10 years of experience in management consulting, tech entrepreneurship, project and product management at companies such as KPMG, Ericsson, and Facebook. He's a Stanford alumni and an expert in product management. When he's not building products, he's helping other entrepreneurs build their businesses and he serves as board advisor for several startups. Isaac, welcome to Product Center. On this episode, we hear from Isaac about his product management experience, how he began and how he tested the waters. We also touched on how product management is practiced in the big tech companies like Microsoft and Facebook. You know, how their recruitment process is, and that's for those of you planning to apply, and how their normal PM processes are, the tools they use, and all of that. Then we wrap up with some of his most rewarding experiences and a very, very interesting mantra. You want to listen to the end for this one. Isaac, welcome. Let's get straight into it. So Isaac, give us a bit of an introduction, please. Let's let's get to know you. Let's know how you transition into the product management um, phase. I see that there was quite a bit of it was quite a bit of a journey from consulting, right? And of course, after your graduate internship, going straight ahead to start a product management internship role. So how was that like for you? How did you know about product management? How did you transition into it? Tell us a bit more, please. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, product management is, is sort of very new, at least in, in the tech industry. And so a lot of people, at least when I was in Nigeria, I didn't know that much about product management. Of course, I know there was a role called product management. Um, and at the time I was sort of like applying to Stanford, um, I had a chat with some former students I just try to find out, okay, people who do this program, what kind of roles do they go into? And he mentioned product management and I kept asking, you know, I had, you know, a couple of uh, people I know who work in like some big companies in Nigeria, I was like, what is product management? And, you know, this, they tried to explain it to me, but I didn't quite get it. You know, but anyways, I had sort of, I would say in the course of my um, 
career, been so much interested in like entrepreneurship. I've been building like you know companies and products on the side with friends, um, and so in some sense, I had learned to like flex that muscle uh, of what the product manager would do, or what you know as as people say sometimes a mini CEO would do. Um, and my consulting background as well, and as well as engineering background, sort of gave me uh, a good balance um, and perspectives into like what the kind of skills uh, needed to be successful uh, in product management are. Uh, but my formal, I would say, journey into product management, um, I don't know if it's even formal, honestly, because, you know, in some sense, um, it, it was, uh, so at Ericsson, um, I sort of did the product marketing side of product management, you know. Again, this is also one thing you probably, um, as you talk to a lot more speakers, you will find that the role of product management, it actually changes from company to company. Uh, because this is not one role that you go and you study in a university and it's sort of, uh, at least not at this point, and it's sort of standardized. Uh, it's not standardized yet, and so different companies call it different names. Different companies have a little bit of, or even a lot of difference between what a product manager does and what a product manager doesn't. Uh, um, so at Ericsson, um, I was in what we call strategic product marketing, uh, which in, 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 in some sense is a, is a part of product uh, management. Um, so I would say my journey, um, sort of doing this, you know, much more um, seriously and at the role at the at the big company, was at, at Facebook, right? Um, and at Facebook, you know, um, I, I did not have the title of a product manager, right? Because like it wasn't, <clears throat> it's not it's not something that was. Um, like I think my offer letter of my job did not actually start out as a product manager. Um, so I, I was doing product operations, which is um, sort of uh, orthogonal to product management. Um, but essentially what I did was to support um, teams, um, in my case, AI teams, uh, with uh, certain operations related to you know AI and machine learning and getting training data set. But I was very interested in product management. And guess what I did? I volunteered to be a product manager. So I had pitched um, sort of uh, a new area that I, I thought, you know, the company or the organization I supported should invest in. And, you know, they were interested in investing in it, but there wasn't really a product manager. And I sort of just volunteered. Um, and when I say volunteered, it's like, you know, it's not like I went and I asked for permission. I just started doing it. Right, I started leading a team. I think we started at about maybe four engineers. Like those engineers were full-time engineers. I was the only one who was sort of, because I still had my, my job, right, right, in product operations. Um, but I was doing this, um, spending, I would say, uh, half of my time, or you know, essentially doing two people's work in some sense, like spending a significant amount of time um, leading the team. We went from four engineers to eight engineers. We went on from building a product um, that was used by you know two internal customers to something that was used by over thirty something internal customers. Um, and I did that for over two years before I you know sort of transitioned to. Uh, I moved to Microsoft where I now sort of have an official 
product manager title, even though at Microsoft we call it program manager, but that's that story for another day. Um, but you know, for me, it was a case of um, I would say the very first big step I did was to volunteer, I was to raise up my hand and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in this. I will do it. Um, you know, I will learn on the job, and I'm also happy that sort of I had the opportunity. Um, and for me, this is also sort of consistent with like the, the philosophy I have with, I would say, a lot of things in life is um, you, you don't, uh, sometimes opportunities are given to you <laughs> on a platter, right? Like they come in a very nice shape and form. Other times, you know, they are not, but the opportunity is just there. It maybe comes in, a, you know, whatever, newspaper. Right. It doesn't matter how these opportunities come. What is important is that you take them. And also for some people who are sort of, um, you know, they're not sure if product management is for them. What I always tell people is try it out. Like, how, how do you try it out in the most uh, risk free way or should I say less risky way is to volunteer? Um, like, you know, do it on the side, see if you actually like it, see if this is what you know, you believe, um, you know, would give you the kind of fulfillment or the kind of outcomes you were hoping for. Um, and if it doesn't work well, it's on the side, you've had the opportunity to to learn and, and see what it feels like. Um, you can, you know, move on to other things. And if it does work, then you can double down and say, okay, I think I found, you know, this one thing that I want to do. Um, and I'm going to, you know, sort of continue to do it. Um, at this point, you know, of course, you know, there are different ways to break into product management, but this is one that I have because I've also seen people who um, they, they've actually been product managers and they have hated the job, <laughs> right? Like I've met people who tell me, oh my God, you know, I'm an introvert. I, I really don't like talking to people. I cannot, you know, deal with just having to communicate all the time, you know? And yeah, so, and some will be, oh, I, I don't like being a product manager at this company. Maybe I can try at another company because of course the role changes from company to company. So sometimes, especially if you are already within a company, one way I would say to get in and to uh, kick the tires and also see if this is what you like is to volunteer. It may be you're volunteering for projects that other product managers are working on. Like reach out. Everybody would like it, another pair of hands to help them. Reach out to other product managers and say, hey, you know, I know you're working on this. I'm interested in learning. Um, you know, is it okay if I sort of work with you and learn how you do this thing? And maybe, you know, over time I can help um, take on some aspects of, of your project so that I can also learn. And these are all the things I actually did, you know, at Facebook, you know, take on specific aspects, contribute to, you know, things that, you know, more experienced product managers are working on. Um, and that way I got to sort of learn um, the app on the job and also get an opportunity to, um, to get a sense if this is what I really love to do or not. That's so great to hear. So many good things you mentioned there. Um, the bit about volunteering, that's extremely important, especially if people are not sure if that's what they want to do. Like how you just, you know, like you said, give it a shot, just try it out. Um, and then I'm going to go deeper into some of these things moving forward. One of which you mentioned, one of the things you mentioned was that, of course, product management differs 
from company to company. And that's, you know, that's very true, right? Um, from some of the things I have read, um, what the JD of a product manager in this company differs from another company. You've had that experience, right? Working at Ericsson in a way, product management at Ericsson, uh, product management at Facebook, and even at, um, at Microsoft where you are currently. So if you can tell us a bit more about that, you know, so what, what are the differences? You, you mentioned that some people would like product management in X company, but they wouldn't like in Y company, in the next company. So tell us, um, in terms of processes, the different product management processes, you can speak a bit to that. In terms of the, should I say, documentations or tools that are being used, in terms of expectations, right? Um, I like how you mentioned that at Microsoft is called Program Manager. I've always figured out why that is. <laughs> but, you know, please just speak a bit to that. Thank you. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yes, uh, if you if you look at how, you know, the role product management has evolved in, in tech, um, it's sort of... Uh, it's different companies have sort of added their own flavor to it. Um, and it's, it's, it's as diverse as the companies in reality, it's as diverse as the companies. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, specific from company to company, I would say like some companies have, um, the product manager role is, um, What's the word? It's uh, because, it, and also the, the scope of what the product managers co uh, cover may also be a function, even within the same company, the roles may differ depending on what scope the product manager has to cover. And let, let me explain it this way. In some companies, you would have a product manager and you would also have what they call technical program manager. So every a product team would have a product manager, would have a technical TPM, technical program manager, as well as engineers and designers and data scientists, you know, and all of that. Um, and usually in those kind of setups, um, the product manager will spend a lot more time on, you know, uh, product strategy, um, you know, thinking about like how to how to grow the product, how to you know take it to the market, how to um, you know make sure the product succeeds, all of that stuff, right? Um, he may not need to dive too deep into the technical aspects, right? He he may not because he has a complement of the technical program manager, right? And so in in that sense, um, you know that pro duct manager first he probably does not need to be technical like at all like he doesn't need to know anything about any of the you know programming programming languages now because like the the technical program manager can sort of cover for that um, and it's not it's not a failing on the part of the product manager it's just the nature of that role and that job and probably um how that company sees product management and you there are there are lots of in fact a lot of product managers who are not technical at all and have been successful. They are able to articulate the vision. They are able to uh, sort of coordinate the team and drive, you know, the, the strategy, the design of the product and also execute on it. And that's that's fine. Um, there are other companies, though, where um, the product manager role is a little bit expanded. It's expanded sort of to also include um, that's what it, what you call technical program management, right? And in that case, um, in you know, the product manager has to, in some sense, um, think about strategy, has to think about vision, has to think about design, has to think about execution, and has to also think about like, 
look at all of this from the technical lens. He needs to be able to speak to, you know, um, technical architecture, system architecture. He needs to be able to speak to, uh, go a little bit, you know, um, maybe not too deep, but a little bit deeper into like the technical aspects of what's being built and need to be able to communicate at that level um, of, of rigor with, with the team. Um, so one area where I, one company where I know like the product manager role, like usually the teams will have a product manager as well as a technical um, program manager is say at Facebook, right? Um, at Microsoft, usually there would be just one product manager, not, well, some will call it program manager, right? And that program manager, product manager sort of needs to play, if there's a need for any technical aspect, that, that person may need to play that role. And otherwise that person, you know, would spend a lot of the time on like um, execution, product execution, product design, uh, strategy and, and visioning, right? Um, in some companies as well, and that is from, you know, I've, I've sort of dimensioned it on sort of, you know, how technical do you need to be or not and, and so on and so forth. Um, there are some, some companies as well where the product manager is entirely responsible for like crafting the vision and the strategy. Um, and, you know, in, in a place like Facebook, a lot of the, you know, product decision in some sense is driven from the bottoms up, right? Every product manager, you know, at the bottom sort of makes those uh, decisions or makes those calls or makes those proposals and sort of bubbles it up to the leadership and leadership sort of approves and, and so on and so forth. Uh, well, in, in some sense, mostly bottoms up. Of course, there are also like what we call like a bigger company-wide strategies that the product manager needs to be aware of and that comes from the top. But I would say more or less or by and large, it's sort of bottom up. Um, a Microsoft is, is slightly different, right? A Microsoft, you find um, a little bit more um, uh, direction coming from the top, as well as some um, a lot of um, you know direction coming from from the bottom. So you know th that swing um, is sort of a, it, of course it varies from team to team as well. Uh, because a micro Microsoft is a, is a much bigger company, so some teams are just. The, the the practice may be slightly different and some products are slightly, the practice may be slightly different but you find that sort of um, I would say uh, gradation in how much of execution you need to do or how much of design you need to do of how much of strategy you need to do or how much of vision um, overall for me you know in my experience I found that like um, at least in doing this across all the companies, while there are uh, specific nuances, um, the, the, the crux of the role is not too different, right? It's, um, it, it's really a function of like, what product are you working on at what scale and what impact are you helping drive, right? Um, and also sometimes as a product manager, some product managers may be working on, depending on the maturity of the product. If you're working on a product that's like super brand new, what you have to spend a lot of your time on is also very different, right? Um, you know, if, you're, if your product is like, you're shipping it, like it's the first time it's going out of the door, 
you know, and you know, there are this uh, as part of the product management framework. There are these frameworks for thinking about a user. What phase your product are you at, the, or a user is at? Is it that you know user acquisition level? Is it that activation and all that? So sometimes you know, for a new product, you have to spend a lot more time on the uh, user acquisition part. And if you're doing that, your day-to-day as a product manager is going to look different than someone who is working on growth, right? That already has a stable product and is looking to grow it, maybe from whatever, 1 billion to 2 billion users, whatever that number is, right? So these different um, dimensions of the product space you're working on is going to influence what your day-to-day as a product manager, you know, would be. And also, one other thing to think about is, or you know, that I've seen that also impacts this is, what kind of product are you building? Some products, for example, if you're building a platform product, um, platform products are usually, in some sense, um, what's the word now, omni-product, omni in the sense that they sort of are, if I, if I would say, sort of a middle tier, um, if you think about, okay, there are individual products that are built on top of a platform. And what is a good platform now? Let me let me use that as an example. Um, Android. Android is a platform, right? On top of Android, you, you have different apps, right? So if you are working on Android, like the entire Android as a product, your experience is going to be different from someone who is working on each of those individual apps that are built, you know, for Android and on top of Android, right? And that's because as a platform there are a few there are some things that you would care more about than someone who is building the individual apps because you have a bit broader visibility into you know what is going on across all apps and you can optimize for setting things at the platform level that product managers who are only working on the app individual apps do not need to optimize for it's not important to them right um, and so your experience, even within the same company, even within the same setup, the specific product you're working on is going to influence and impact like what kinds of what your day to day would look like and what kind of skill set you need to flex. Um, and yeah, so these are some of the differences I have seen um, in the course of my journey. And I've also observed, you know, um, looking around that I think um, are important for people to know and be aware of as they think about like the product management role. Thank you very much, Isaac, for breaking it down the way you have. Um, truly, it, I, I like how you mentioned that at the end of the day, the crux of the role is not different, right? Um, I get most of the times you are still putting your user into consideration, right? Um, at every point in time to make the right decisions, you are still, shall I say, maybe writing user stories. Do they? Do they tell a bit? Tell us a bit more about the processes. Um, if you were to come up with a product, I know you already mentioned that um, for Facebook is bottom up, right? Um, but Microsoft has a lot of influence from the top. But let's talk about the processes a bit, because I was about to mention that now. Um, I said that you'd keep writing user stories and all of that. Um, so in terms of processes and documentations, let's see. Let's see if we're, we're getting it <laughs> in, in this hour, should I say, in terms of our practices here in most of the Nigerian companies. So I could tell you a flow, and then you can tell me if that, if that works or if that's the same flow you've observed in um, this foreign space. Oh, sure. Okay, so um, product management, if it's a B2C, um, 
it starts with some sort of user discovery, right? Trying to find out what the problem is, design thinking, and all of that. When that is done, um, the product manager starts with documentation, draws everything out, writes user stories. Um, what else did they do? So once they are done with all the documentations, um, also consulting the different um, technology leads to say how best can this work, what is required, you know, am I thinking ahead of myself, how, how can we actually implement this thing I have planned, and it goes into development stage where, um, of course, there are different tools being used, Jira, this, that, to manage the whole process of the actual product development with the engineers, and when it's done, it's then, like, an MVP version is launched into the market. That's pretty much it. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing is uh, in, in all the places I've worked at, there has not been any one of them that has sort of a fixed process. And mm. and I think that's, that's good because it, it also makes, it helps you as a product manager evolve your own style. Um, you know, at Facebook, at Microsoft, like, you know, there is no, oh, this is how we do it here. This is only the, this is the only way to do it. This is even a template. Like there's no necess, there's no, there's no such thing as necessarily a template. That is why I've, I've, I've been, you know, I've done at, at those places. Um, to say, oh, you know, it has to be this template, you know, anything outside of this is wrong. Um, and that is good in my view, because I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, templates can be very, uh, they bias us in one direction and make us blind to other things that might be helpful. It doesn't mean templates are entirely bad because templates, they also have their purpose and they're good in some sense. If you want to, if you want to get up and running faster, templates are probably the way to go because you just, you don't have to rethink everything. Someone just tells you, oh, this is how we do it, A, B, C, D and you just have to focus on the ABCD. Um, but without a template, you have to come up with, okay, so what do I need? What is A, what is B, what is C, what is D? And oh, do I even need D? Maybe I should trade out, yeah, all of that, and it's a little bit of time. But I like the process of um, keeping it sort of uh, flexible so that people evolve their own style. And, you know, eventually we will, you know, if you look around, you start to see what styles are more effective than the other. And sometimes people come up with some styles as a blend of different, different styles and ends up being actually better than the, the, the specific styles that was, it was blended from. Um, so to, to get more specific, like I've seen people like write, uh, you know, one pages, like where it's sort of a, oh, you know, what is the need? Um, you know, what is the, uh, what is the scenario? Like under what circumstances would users uh, use this product? Um, what are we building? Um, how do we ensure that, you know, we can deliver this value to these users under these circumstances? And, you know, um, what are some things, some dependencies we need to be able to do this? Um, what are the success factors? How do we measure that we've been successful, right? At the end of the day, uh, how do we evaluate if this product has been successful or not? Um, and all the other things, you know, that sort of um, tie into that too. You know, I've seen cases where one pages are enough to start the conversation. I've also seen cases where people write what we call PRDs, product requirement document, like they literally sit down and they write like 10, 20 pages of very detailed product requirements document where they start with, okay, you know, what is the problem? They have all sorts of data and research on the problem. 
then they go into the user, they describe the user, the persona of the user, sort of break it down very detailed. Oh, you know, and it doesn't mean that in the one pager scenarios you haven't done all this. It's just that you are not um, because writing a, a PRD, you know, sometimes there's a risk that you might over-optimize for the writing. You can become a very good writer and not a very good product manager, manager, right? You're just very good at writing. You focus so much on writing. Your writing is very good. And having good writing skills is very good as a PM, I must tell you. So I'm not diminishing the writing skill. I'm just saying sometimes it doesn't need to be 20 pages. Like successful product is not a function of how many pages of writing you do, right? So, um, you know, back to, you know, the process of seeing people write, like those product requirement documents that literally breaks down everything. It includes lots of screenshots or mock-ups of even the product itself. And a lot of that before they even start any single like building, right? And I've also seen some other companies where essentially they flip it on his head. They sort of require product managers to write um, what you call the press release. And I think Amazon has been sort of famous for doing this where they say, hey, imagine that you're launching this product today. What would you want to write in that launch press release, right? And so you sort of, you start to, it forces you to think about, you know, what on on release day, on launch day, should I be telling my user? And that's essentially what you're writing in that document. And it may be two pages, it may be four, it may be 10. Um, so all of these have been, you know, processes or at least styles that I've seen and I've been okay. In fact, some may not even write documents per se. It could be PowerPoint slides, it could be decks saying, articulating this is a problem, this is a user, this is the circumstances in which the user encounters this problem, and these are the exploration, the product uh, solutions want to build around the problem, and this is why it's important to do it. This is the magnitude of the problem, this is the impact on the business, all of that. So. All of that process, all of that, I would say, are flexible, and I think that's okay, right? I, I think that's okay. Then in terms of how you sort of, you know, that is, I would say, at the, let's say, at the visioning and strategy level. I like to break product management, product manager's role into, I would say, maybe four buckets. One is the, um, the vision, the second is the strategy, the third is the design, and the fourth is sort of execution. I think every product manager needs to be very good at these four areas. Um, so the acts, that documenting or writing what you want to build, that would typically fall under either the visioning or the strategy uh, stage, and both of all across both of them sometimes. Um, then when you go into the design, um, the design process, as a, as a product manager, you may have designers on your team. So you're not necessarily, design here doesn't just mean like UX design or the product design, but it could, it, and it's not, oh, you're the one drawing the boxes or you're the one drawing, you know, adding, uh, what's it called? Adding shadow to this element and all that. No, not necessarily, but you sort of are able to conceptualize what is being built and be able to describe it to the team, which is also part of what you, you were trying to do in those uh, documents you were writing, right? So you're saying, oh, this is a problem. This is the solution we'll build. So you can take that to 
a another level of fidelity and when i say level of fidelity something that people can visualize usually i like to do like mock-ups right and i have there are different tools for doing mock-ups some people use powerpoint i've used powerpoint before i've also used the uh, what's it called um uh corel draw <laughs> right i've also used the uh, sort of just uh, mashing together uh, snippets of images and but the point i've also used some other prototype uh, i don't know if i call it not prototyping but mock-up tools i've also used pen and paper like like literally i draw whatever i want to you know communicate on the blackboard on the whiteboard and i take a picture of it or i draw it on a notebook and i take a picture of it all of that are okay it doesn't matter so of course some companies may have more sophisticated tools to use for this but in a lot of places i've worked at not quite you don't need those tools in, in reality if you have if you know how to use them if you know how to use sketch to you know mock or figma to do your mock-ups that's great but if you don't it's also okay um so after once you're done with that conceptual design then of course um you're you're of course across all of these you're carrying your team along it's always very important to carry the team along your engineers your designers um your data scientists on your team um everyone needs to sort of have input in all of these or be carried along from the start uh because it's it's a team effort um i like to say as, as a product manager you are in some sense you know people say oh, it's the mini ceo i agree even though you don't have authority but your role is actually to sort of um to advise the to lead the team on building the right product right and if you're going to lead people to build the right product you need to get them excited about what it is like articulate the vision so that it's very exciting you know it's very exciting to them they're like wow we're about to change the world literally everyone so you have to involve them in the visioning process in the strategy uh, put together a clear strategy that gives the team the confidence that yes we can actually win this we can do it we can be successful at this and as part of the design also give some you know i would say conceptual idea of oh this is what i think this will look in in practical terms like tangibly um of course the designer will take some of these conceptual designs and will expand it or even add their own um expertise to it refine it in different forms expand and all that and that's totally fine um and then the execution part is where okay now we're building the product now you know we're tracking progress now we're encountering things we never anticipated and we're sort of you know coming together to agree how do we work around it how do we resolve this um and also you know when you work on a product you, there are stakeholders you as the product manager part of your execution role is to also communicate to stakeholders stakeholders might be leadership who are interested in this who have interest in this we might even be customers who are waiting for this product maybe you've made a commitment earlier that hey you know we're going to launch a new iPhone by so so and so you sort of want to keep customers in some sense in the loop by one way or another on oh this is coming and this is the progress you know and sometimes your product may also be in this phase where it's still being built but you have some beta testers so you want to communicate to beta testers what is changing what have we added all of that stuff so i would say you know the tools are awesome and there are tons of it for each of these categories um but they're probably not as important as like the skill as well as like how you do it right um and so like you know for example managing 
the, the execution part. I've seen people just use pen and paper. I've seen people just use um, an Excel sheet. I've seen people do Microsoft's like <laughs> VCO and project. I've seen people do, um, what's it called? Uh, Trello, you know, use Trello balls to track things. I've seen people use uh, uh, Azure developer or DevOps, you know, I've seen different styles and even, you know, at Facebook, we have some internal tools for helping you track, you know, progress of things, track tasks and so on and so forth. So all of those are great. Um, and, you know, one tool may not necessarily be much better uh, you know um, it's just whatever style works for you and I've seen a lot of product managers use different styles and they've been pretty successful one thing I like to say is I like to keep my process very simple um, lightweight um, because again sometimes you know uh, tools can actually get in the way and honestly I want the flexibility for me I just need a tool that can help me get this out fast that can help me iterate as things change, because things will always change, right? When you build this, these days of agile, the, the the doctrine of agile is you should be flexible because things come up that you've not anticipated. The customer itself you're building for may also be changing. And so you want to be able to rework things very easily and get it out the door rather than being stuck in process or being hampered by the tool. Yes, very, very, very detailed. I like how you broke it down and um, ended with the fact that um, the tools are awesome knowing how to use the tools are awesome. But then the skill itself, right, of leading the team, using whichever tool in order to build the product is what's most important. Thanks for sharing um, a lot of details on that. So Isaac, let's let's go into what a lot of people saw on the poster and um, you know, what led people to call some people to come and listen to this podcast. They're like, oh, fantastic. He works in Microsoft, he worked at Facebook at some point, I would also like to work in those companies too, right? So um, for those who are interested in working in this kind of, when I say, I don't even know if it's a big four or a big 10, right? But this kind of um, very renowned um, tech companies, what is the recruitment process like? Um, what are the interviews? What are the stages? What do you need to know? What are these people looking out for, right? Um, yeah, can you can you tell us a bit more about that so that hopefully there'll be a lot more people, you know, working in those kind of companies and, you know, meeting up there. So the recruitment process, of course, you know, across companies, they, they vary. Um, at Facebook, it's sort of a lot of PM interviews or at least the recruitment process have sort of been I would say standardized in, in some form. Um, and so at Facebook, there are like, I think three main parts that are, you know, for the product manager interviews. Um, of course, it could be three or five, depending on like, you know, what, uh, at what level and also what, you know, they're trying to evaluate for. But generally there's the product sense, um, which is essentially saying, hey, can you, uh, articulate and come up with, given a blank sheet, can you come up with great products? <laughs> can you define or uh, vis- vis- uh, create a vision for a great product? That's a product sense. Um, that's one. Then the second aspect is what they call product execution. Product execution is given a certain product, can you do, can you take it to the next level? Can you, you know, debug the product can you uh, make it better right 
Then the third part is what they call leadership. Um, and that is, of course, from the word leadership, you can tell what that means. Um, but I, I, I like to say that, you know, a product manager is at its core a leader. Like you should, because your role is you're leading without authority. All the people on the team that I've mentioned, usually they do not report to the product manager. You don't have authority. And that's why when people say, oh, product manager is mini CEO, that's that's one area where it's not correct. Because as a CEO, everybody you work with, you're, like you're the boss, <laughs> like people report to you. As a product manager, you're not the boss. Like you don't, you cannot, you're not the manager to the, uh, what's it called? To the engineers or to the designers. No, you are, you're all colleagues, but you get stuff, but you are still leading the team. You are still leading the project and you lead through influence. That is one critical skill, you know, every product manager needs to have leading through influence, influencing people. And how do you influence people? You influence them by, it starts with how you articulate the vision, making sure that they understand the vision, that they catch the same fire you you, you have. Like they, they see clearly how, why we're building this, what, what's the why? Because there are a million things we could be building. Why this one, right? Um, so, you know, the Facebook interview process try to tries to evaluate these three and they have clear buckets for it. And that's why I'm calling it out this way. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, as you go through these things also evolve. So I, and I don't know what the process is right now, but I, at least while I was there, that was what it was. Um, the Microsoft process also covers all of these, but it's probably not bucketized like this, at least in my, during my own process, you know, there wasn't like a separate session for, oh, this session is going to be focused on product science. This session is going to be focused on, no. But it was a series of interviews as well with multiple people. Um, and again, as I said, depending on when you interview and how your own interview process was set up, in both, in a lot of tech companies, you probably do about six or seven interviews. Um, I know for a lot of people in Nigeria, that might be strange because we are used to, oh, you know, I'm applying at this company, I write aptitude test, I do one interview and that's it. Um, in the US is a lot different. You, you probably would have six or seven interviews. So there's usually the phone screen. This phone screen is literally somebody calling you on the phone and saying, hey, you know, we saw your resume. Uh, we like, you know, what we see. Uh, we like to set up an interview. Uh, but I have a few questions. And then you answer those questions, depending on how that goes, the person will be like, okay, I will get you to talk to somebody on the team. You talk to somebody on the team, it may also be over the over the phone. And that person, maybe the person might even be the hiring manager, like the manager who's actually hiring for that role. And that the hiring manager would say, oh, this is what we're looking, we're looking for someone that you fit the profile of someone you're looking for this exact, this is what we're looking for. Um, I have a few questions to ask, depending on how that goes, then they will invite you for what they call the on-site. The on-site interviews are now where you're gonna interview with maybe four or five people. Like you meet them in person, usually in the US, they sort of bring you on campus, on the, on the company's campus, essentially come into the office, you meet people in person. Um, and it's usually one-on-one -on -one interviews with four or five people, or maybe six, depending on you know how it goes, uh, people on the team. 
So, and each person covers a specific aspect. Some people may cover only just trying to understand your leadership skill. Others may just be trying to evaluate your technical skills. Others may be trying to understand your strategy. Um, others may be trying to understand you know, uh, your design acumen. So each person will focus on different aspects, but you're talking to each person and each conversation may last maybe 45 minutes or an hour, depending on like, you know, the company or the role. Um, and sometimes after all you've scaled, if you, if all, everything goes well with an on-site interview, usually, and in some cases, there's one more round of interview where, you know, someone is maybe a slightly more senior person is gonna like call you on the phone to sort of have one more session. And then if that final session is successful, you are most likely gonna get an offer, right? So, you know, based on what I've described right now, you've literally spoken to at least six or seven people. That is what it is for a lot of tech companies. And in fact, a lot of roles, not just product management, but product management in particular, you would have like these interviews and whether it's on the phone or whether it's in person, um, you know, there'll be folk, there'll be someone who is trying to understand, can this person lead a team? Because that's an important skill for a product manager. Can this person manage a product? Can this person execute on a project? Does he know how to keep track of progress? Does he know, he or she know how to, um, you know, motivate the team towards a specific goal? Does he or she know how to unblock, like, you know, unblock when the team is blocked on an issue? Um, does he or she know how to think about products from first principle and, you know, craft a vision that's compelling, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, all of these are sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, ways and things that, uh, things, uh, that interviewers look out for during these sessions. Thanks, Isaac. Um, it's, it's interesting to know that you might have, a, a, you might have up to a, six or seven interview stages and like you said it's very different from what we have here in in nigeria you know so everybody out there we just need to should i say put on our buckles and get things get ready get geared towards towards these processes um and then if you ask me um the aim is not to get you not to do it or to get you stressed out it's definitely to help them truly identify that you can do the job in every sense of it, right? That's why you're speaking to so many people um, at different times and all of that. So yes, thank you very much, Isaac. I yeah, and sure. I also think, sorry, I also think that, you know, at least the way I think about an interview process is, it's a two-way street. It gives the company an opportunity to actually know you, like know like your skill, evaluate your skill. And it also gives you an opportunity to evaluate the company as well, right? You know, talking to more people, even though it's um, at least for some from Nigeria, it's a little bit more work than you're used to. But it also makes you like if I talk to four people on the team and I don't like them, like I don't like that conversation, it's a red flag for me, right? It's like, man, do I really want to work here if all these people I've spoken to today have just been, it's been a bad experience for me. Um, and I, you know, so that is one of the benefits of these talk because the people that will be interviewing you are likely going to be people you'll be working with, They're people already on the team. They are not like some strangers or some hired hands. They're people on the team. So, you know, in a way, it's it's at least for me, I try to make it mutually beneficial. Use that to get a sense. Hmm, 
these are the people I'm going to be working with. Is, does it feel like, you know, I'm going to enjoy working with these people? Does it feel like it's a good fit for me? Um, does it feel like, you know, I am, I, am I still excited about like, you know, taking this role if I get the offer? Um, and so like that knowledge, I think it's helpful. Um, and again, also, you know, this, these are called interviews, but a lot of times, or at least some of the best interviews, you probably don't even feel like an interview. It almost feels like you're having a conversation, right? Like, like I was just chatting with people and at the end of the day, like, they're like, oh, well, thank you for coming in. Thank you for interviewing with us. I'm like, okay. Um, and when I say chatting, it doesn't mean they're not asking questions, but the, you're so, the interview, good interviews, they, they get you to be so at ease that it almost feels like you're just having a conversation you know, with someone, you're not all tensed up, sweaty, and, sh- you know, sort of shaking, fidgety and stuff, you know. Um, so anyways, I'm putting this out there just to say that, hey, let none of these scare you that, oh my God, I'm going to do six interviews or seven. It It is, it is normal, at least here in the US, it's, that is what it is. In fact, some people do a lot more. For more senior roles, you probably have to have a lot more and you know you can think of it as conversations you're just having you're having conversations with people you're sharing what you've learned or what you know and you're also asking them questions as well to really understand how do things work at this company do i think i want to join these people would i be excited working here i think so about to um I hear you say it's not an exam. <laughs> it's not a, and it's not it's not an exam. It's not a it's not a stressful scenario, right? It's it's conversations, it's chat, it's trying to get to know you better and to know if you're a good fit for the for the role. I, mean, I like how you mentioned a bit about you also, let's say, interviewing them at some point, trying to get a sense of who they are and um, the should I say culture? Yeah, that's the word. The culture of the of the company. Right. Um, those are important things that one needs to know that a one or two day interview might not give somebody full information about. So, yeah. Interesting. I'm just going to go a bit to a bit into your experiences. Right. Um, I know definitely it would have been areas of um, it would, would have been exciting times. There would have been um, times where you had some challenges working with different people. No, so tell us a bit more about that. Um, what are the times you would never forget? Um, some of the things that you have done in product management and um, a bit about the bad side. You can start with the challenges first so that we're happy at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I mean, you know, as with every other role, um, there, there are challenges on the job. And you know, I would say for me, some of the biggest challenges are sort of... Um, uh, which, which ones are the biggest? Nah, and I'm, I'm thinking probably when we're not able to um, satisfy the customers. Um, I've had some, you know, experiences where, you know, we were building specific products. Um, I mean, in this case, internal products. And we sort of just ran into issues where like the customers just feel like, oh, this is not meeting our needs. And, you know, as, as a product manager, you are supposed to represent the voice of the customer on the team. And so if you're shipping products that customers do not like um, and do not want, that will stress you out a lot because 
it's like, okay, I haven't done a great job of representing the customer. I haven't done a great job of understanding what the customer needs. Um, and so, you know, again, it's not, it will happen a lot of the time because, you know, understanding customers can be tough, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and sometimes also it's like, you know, when I see people do surveys, oh, you know, if I build this product, will you like it? Of course, people would see a lot of customers may tell you, yes, like, I would love it. Like, oh my God, I can't wait for you to build it. But, you know, sometimes you see that when you build that product and those same customers tell them, okay, come on, use it. They'll have a million excuses. But, um, mm, well, the font is too big or it's too small or it's too fat or it's too thin. And that is not the fault of the customer. Like, I think part of what, you know, you learn as a product manager is that, you know, there are, there are, there are specific ways of actually understanding what the customer cares about and also testing what the customer tells you. I know Henry Ford, he used to say, oh, if I had asked, asked the customer, what they needed, they would tell me a faster horse. Uh, there's some truth in that. Of course, it's not 100% true. You should talk to customers, you should ask them what they want. But also the customer may be describing what they want in a language that is different or in a language that either you don't understand or you need to sort of break it down a little bit. When the customer says faster horse, Essentially, what the customer is saying, hey, I need to go from point A to point B faster. If you just take it as faster horse, you may go and build a faster horse and bring, <laughs> right? And the customer wants to see the faster, like, no, no, definitely not. Um, but some other person will listen to that same customer that says faster horse. I'll be like, hmm, I think this person wants to get from point A to point B faster. What can I build that will get this person from point A to point B faster? It may end up being a car, which is not a horse, but it's faster. Or it may be a bicycle, which is not a horse, but it's faster, you know? So these are, and whenever there's that gap between your what the customer wants and what you are building, it's, at least for me, it stresses me out quite a bit because I feel like I'm disappointing my, my, my customers, <laughs> my users, and I need to solve this quickly. I need to make sure that I am delighting them with the products I build, I am making them happy. Because like that's that's why you know um, that is what I that's my role that's what I want to do that's what I need to be doing. Um, of course, the the flip side is you know what occasions have I been very happy. There are times when you know we launch products and man, the customers are like, wow, this is great. The reviews are really good, and I've had the opportunity in the course of my like you know experience to do that. You know. Um, several times and it's, it's just really good right knowing that oh my god i built this right i built this it's out there and it's you know the feedback the reviews is 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 great first is, is good for you of course as a product manager it's also good for the team right it's you know um people get a lot more excited as the product you know sort of achieves the goal and delights the customers and that helps you sort of keeps the team motivated keeps the you know their the team's creative juices flowing give you opportunity gives you opportunity to continue to engage with the users to find out okay, what other things can we do how can we even make this a lot better and and so on and so forth so you know for me um you know very clearly <laughs> 
when I, you know, ship products that are successful, that customers are excited about, those are like my best moments. Uh, when we ship products that are, that just do not meet the customer needs and the customer expectations, those are like my, my worst moments. And, you know, um, I, I, every day as part of also like growing my skill is to continue to improve how I understand the user, how I make sure that we are building the right product for the user. And I, I like to emphasize the word, the right product. Um, it's different from building it right, building the product right, right? I, I worry about building the right product because one of the examples I always give people, you know, when I think about, talk about product manager or, you know, when people are saying, oh, how, I want to go for a product manager interview, like, you know, what, what should I expect is, what, what I tend to ask is, um, if I ask you to build a calculator for the blind, what would you do? That's an interview question. Is that this is actually a real interview question? Um, and you know, some people they will be like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna build, um, you know, the product. It will use." Some people will say, "Oh, it will use voice. Uh, you know, it will be. They will start to draw fancy UI user like user interface and say, "Oh, you know, maybe we we'll use voice. You know, to activate the, the user will just say one plus two and say equal and then the calculator will read back the answer you know some people would say oh i would make it such that it's a physical calculator but it has braces on it so that they can uh, brails on it so that you know uh, the blind can feel while those are great ideas that is not how to think about product management like the very first step is to to be clear what we mean by calculator i always tell people like whenever you have this kind of question take a step back because there are different calculators in the world. If you're not clear, you're going to build the wrong calculator. <laughs> like if you're not clear, I, you know, well, this is, a, this is part of the art of product management. The first question, what calculator? Am I talking about a four function calculator, just a calculator that can do one, you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, or is it a scientific calculator? Those are two different types of calculators. And depending on who you're building it for, one may be useful, the other may not. That's one. Then second is I like to say, hey, clarify who is a blind person. Like, you know, sometimes we, the temptation for a product manager is to impose your own biases on the problem without understanding from the user or from, you know, the problem space, what exactly, who exactly are we building this for? Who are these users? When people hear blind, they assume, oh, you're fully blind, like you cannot see. But that is one definition of a blind. Some people are colorblind. Some people are just, you know, what we call, I don't know, clinically blind. Like they can see with their eyes, but they have um, seen impairments. They need some other types of aid to be able to see, you know, partially blind in some form. So, you know, these are all things you need to be clear, clear about. And you also may need to be clear about, oh, you know, this user, like what is the demographic of this user? Is it a child? Is it an adult? Where is the user going to use this calculator? Is it in the classroom? Is it at home? Or is it on the road? Because if you're trying to build a voice product and the person is on the road in the middle of Oshudi, it cannot work, right? You know, it cannot work. So all of these are the things that will help you come to a solution that would work for the user. And so, you know, if, if the product management process does not, you know, identify clearly 
the right things to build, we will end up building products that, you know, we ship out there and users just don't like it. Like they don't use it, they give us sorts of excuse or they just hate it and they tell you, oh my God, I hate this, I would never use it. Um, so anyways, this is probably a long answer, but yes, um, and maybe like every other product manager, I am most excited when I ship a product and the reviews are great, the product is doing very well. Um, I am least excited and bummed when I ship a product and the reviews are bad, the feedback is, oh my God, I don't like this. And it may not be crazy extremes, right? It's not like, oh, this product is entirely bad. I've never had that experience where the product is entirely bad, but I've had, you know, experience where you ship the product, some users will complain. I mean. That is also a sort of distress to me. I say, oh, well, you change this thing from this to this. Oh my God, now I'm confused. And you also have to think through, okay, how do I make it such that, you know, I don't lose these categories of customers, you know? It's definitely the right answer, even though long. I like the way you've um, answered the question about the calculator. So I see that question amongst other practical questions to came into that I've never fully thought about it the way you have um talked about it it's really interesting i don't know <laughs> calculator individual will show you okay yep. so very, very interesting thanks for highlighting um those bits i like the part you, where you mentioned building the right product right it's it's very important um like you mentioned users actually change and uh, to the point about how you are excited when people give you great feedback about your product. Yes, that's that's very true. And that's like every other product manager, like you mentioned, that's our point of joy, right? Um, also for me, when I'm, what really gets me, should I say excited is when um, I see how, should I say people's lives are better as a result of the product that I've worked on, that sense of, okay, I've added value, you know, truly contributed to making somebody's life easier in, in every way. So very true very true thanks for sharing your experiences we really appreciate it so i'm just going to go to the last um question we have here right and, and this speaks to product management growth um continuous improvement earlier on i mentioned a bit about about product centered being focused on um, having the right resources giving product managers the right resources for their growth right um so some questions around what your best product management mantra is, right? What 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 you would hear and you know vibe yourself up to start again to give it another try, irrespective of what customer A or B said they didn't like about the product. What keeps you going? Um, and then who are your mentors if you have any? And where do you go to to get resources generally for growth? Cool stuff. So. Um... You know, one of the things I like, I like to, I mean, this is probably not the, let me, let me see. I, I have a few ways of thinking about product management that is also very unique to me. And one of those is I, I like to make decisions with data. I, I just um, have a, an inclination to want to see what does the data say? Because sometimes the customer's behavior Maybe different from what the data says, and of course, how you interpret data is is, is another topic. Um, but my big favorite mantra is, "In God we trust." Every other person must come with data, <laughs> um, and that was one statement I heard in a class I took at, at Stanford. Um, "In God we trust" means okay, if God comes and just says it, then okay, we all believe Him. But if it's not God, if it's any other person, 
anything you say is probably going to be an opinion until you show me use data to show like let the data show me that this is indeed true right and you know how does that apply in my day to day it also means that um, i mean there's this famous story i was reading the other day again somebody shared it when facebook first built newsfeed the newsfeed we take for granted that's your feed right when you go on facebook your feed that you scroll through that's when facebook first built it you know people protested at facebook like users protested in front of the company like thousands of people in fr- or hundreds of people showed up in front of the company and was like no this is terrible this is crazy remove it why are you changing this but guess what the data actually shows that those people are now more engaged on facebook like they actually share more they actually interact more with facebook so if you just take what people say without like looking at the data you may be mistaken um and so i've learned and i've sort of forced myself over time to ask what does the data say of course as well data may be biased so there's there's that to be said you need to make sure that the, the data is 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 not biased or not uh, designed to tell a a specific narrative right you need to approach data collection and data interpretation uh, with the right uh, mindset and the right framework but you want to make a lot of these decisions based on the data because usually what people say would be very different from what they do that's that's the reality and it's not because people are trying to deceive you it's just that we don't truly as much as we think we know ourselves we don't really know sometimes we think oh you know yes i'm a good person ah, if i see someone uh, injured on the road when i'm going to church in the morning i'm going to stop and help him we think we will do that but in reality and we, we may have even done it a million times like we are dry, we are going to work there's someone or church there's someone injured on the road you know we just look away <laughs> right you've seen the parable in 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 the bible and all that but you, you look away or you like you you whatever you're going to now seem more important even though you you had thought that oh i will stop definitely and help um and it's not because you're a bad person it's just the nature of how we humans you know uh, behave sometimes um so yeah that's that's for me is um, is the mantra in god we trust every other person must come with data um and if you're asking about like where i learn and read up about um, product management I, i read a ton of books i'm sort of a you know i'm an avid reader <laughs> i love to read um and you know since i've discovered audiobooks it's made my reading a lot you know better faster easier um i actually do like subscribe for audiobooks and you know i i consume them a ton of them and i read both things related to i mean the product manager you're going to wear multiple hats so you need to learn about empathy like how do i how do i put myself in my user's shoes you need to learn about empathy you need to learn about managing people like managing teams managing projects you need to pick up a little bit on date on the if you want to be able to interpret data you need to learn a little bit about like statistics right you also need to learn a little bit about how to think <laughs> how to think clearly um because a lot of things people like when i see things that go viral on twitter or on facebook sometimes actually if you think a little bit hard about that thing, you realize that man these people are arriving at the wrong conclusion it's like when someone say oh 
Bloomberg is a billionaire. He could have given every American, like he spent uh, uh, three billion on his campaign. Like that would have given every American one million dollars. It may seem true on the surface, but it's not true. If you actually do the math, you realize that that's not true. <laughs> There's 300 million Americans. How can you give them all one million and have a three billion? That's not true. That's not true. That math is wrong. But a lot of people would not recognize that, you know, because, you know, yeah, the numbers seem to add up. Oh, yeah, they will take it for far. So how to think clearly. These are some of the books, psychology, you know, I read psychology books. And I also follow a lot of people on Twitter. And by the way, you know, you should follow me on Twitter as well. I tweet about product management, but I follow some of the, you know, I would say people I consider to be like top thinkers in, in product management on Twitter. And some of them may not be also like popular names that everyone like, you know, uh, what's the word, out about. But, um, you know, I find like some specific folks um, and you know, I'm probably happy to to share some of their names um, if I can, if I can actually pronounce their names. That when they talk about like how they, especially CEOs of like some tech companies, how they make decisions on like okay, uh, what you know, what products to build or how things are evolving within their companies, I usually find that to be quite um, insightful for me at least. Um, and some of my best authors are also like some of the big names that I just, um, you know, I like to, um, you know, follow their content because I like how they think, right? I just love how, how um, you know, specific people think about, you know, specific things. And sometimes what they are, a lot of what they share about may, may just be like psychology stuff, but that psychology stuff is deep, um, is deep and like I, I like to sort of uh, learn you know and others may also just be finance you know or the business world like as a pm you need to sort of have a, a good business acumen um i mean probably over audio it may be hard to like share what specific people i follow but if you look at my profile you see some of those names there's naval there's patrick O'Shaughnessy. um there, there are a few people that i just like like what they do and I like how they articulate, you know, um, product and product thinking. Um, some of them I may not agree with, of course, 100%. I do not agree with everyone 100%, but I just like to get into their minds and see how they think about products. You know, I, I follow Jason Njoku, you know, of, of Iroko. Um, I, I like to see how he shares about his journey and how he's, he's thinking about, you know, product and the evolution of his product, you know. And, you know, I, I have a, a couple of other people as well, you know, that I sort of follow for one thing or the other. Um, and this gives me sort of insight into, oh, this is how to, you know, think about this thing. So I like this view, I like this perspective. Interesting, we, one, we have definitely followed you um, and we will definitely go through your profiles and the other people that you follow and then follow back. But one thing that I see and then it's definitely the truth is the fact that you're an avid reader. I mean, I see that on your Twitter account, even from engagements with you, this last question, it's, it's so obvious, right? I, I'm not certain if I've read through this spectrum of things you've mentioned, empathy, finance, business, managing teams, leadership, statistics, thinking clearly, that is, that is a lot of reading. But then we, we pray to be like you one day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for sharing. Um, so we have come to the end of the 
session officially um i would really like to say thank you thank you thank you thank you for sharing a lot of your insights um it's been a very interesting time right learning from from you in terms of your experiences and definitely also getting a lot of tips from you as to how to grow and the things to look out for and the skills to hunt thank you thank you thank you so much absolutely and it's been it's been a pleasure um you know having the session with with you and you know also the the audience um you know uh i am passionate about the product management space i i think we are in an interesting time where like the the field is is evolving it's very nascent you know it's evolving there's no there's almost no school in the world that teaches a four year course on product management so we are part of those who are crafting <laughs> what product management is it's a, it's a huge opportunity um, and you know i'm happy to as many people who are wondering oh you know how do i get started what do i do uh, feel free to follow me on twitter send me a dm I, i respond to a lot of dms i post about these things i share about opportunities as well that i see and you know happy to contribute to to building a community of great product managers um the the world needs great product managers the world needs great products right and um you know um as much as i can help anyone be successful i'll be happy to do that and thank you for having me in the session thank you for listening to this podcast remember you can listen to more product management podcasts on our website productcentered.com don't forget to share this link with your friends and subscribe